it's so um, great when I offer um, an invitation for an entry bow and the whole wall of people bow back to me. <laughs> if you look at they'll bow back to you too, you know. Let's, let's begin our sitting.
vast as the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Welcome back. It's wonderful to see your faces again. <clears throat> and I look forward to hearing your voices. <clears throat> Pardon me. Rather than beginning um, by launching into something that, uh, that I might offer, as I usually do, I'd like to I'd like to start with where I think uh, I've been hearing a good bit of our energy is right now. And that has to do with a reflection on the experience of last week's inquiry. <clears throat> Not everyone was there, I know. Um, but even if you weren't, I think um, you'll get a feel for what we're reflecting on. And here's my question, my inquiry for you. <clears throat> Pardon me. What was different last week? And more importantly, what difference does it make? Not, not just what difference did it make. What difference does it make and what difference will it make? now as we step forward. And there, there are some other questions I have, but let's, let's um, begin with that. And um, Catherine Ellis, who's a head student in, uh, in England right now in Sheffield, would you raise your hand and step forward for a moment? Uh, you were with us last week, were you not? I was, yes. Yes. And uh, what reflection would you offer for your, for your own experience and your own practice? So reflecting on what happened last week, I, I noticed a great deal of fear, which is a very familiar place for me. And it's something I recoil, recoil from. I kind of realize I have a belief that it's intolerable. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting with that and you said something like, it's aliveness, the fear is aliveness moving. Mm -hmm. And that made a big, that made a difference and it has made a continuing difference. Because it was, I've heard 
that kind of reframing before, but there was something about it that really... Hmm. Uh. The other thing was that I really saw my tendency to want to prepare. So I was sitting there and I, I could just feel myself rehearsing a script, and, which struck me as being quite funny because it's so beside the point. <laughs> I, I caught the habit very mm -hmm. clearly and that was helpful. And inside myself, I, I felt, I noticed I had more, I was more upright mm -hmm. and felt this and felt frightened and engaged. Mm -hmm. And that feeling that continued, has continued, uh, that, um, you know, not preparing, but the opposite in a way, thinking, what's this, what's this, yes. what's this? Mm -hmm. And I think that I felt some fear around the head student leaving ceremony, that's for sure. Well, I was going to say it's it's a similar thing, isn't it? Because you're yeah. about to, about to engage in this ceremony. Yeah, and I and I'm just using the it's just energy moving as a kind of mantra, and it 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 tells me what to do for the ceremony, which is not to prepare anything apart from knowing what I've got to say and do, but just be in, just respond in the moment. Mm -hmm. I think it's for me it's been very it's been very helpful teaching. Mm. It's I, a, I feel more awake and that is the whole that is the whole point. <laughs> yeah. Well and that's when my when I ask the question what difference um, does it make and what difference will it make, now you're definitely touching yeah. uh, touching on that. Yeah. It's interesting when you're asked a question in the ceremony, just as I am every week in inquiry, people come to me and I can't prepare. Yeah. If I watch myself and think about what I'm going to say, then I'm lost. Mm -hmm. Because then but it's all about you. It's not right. about the encounter. But with being with the person, we'll see what arises between us. And that, that's something different. And it requires our wholehearted participation on both sides. Um, and you spoke of the, the willingness and then everything that comes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like we would say in Hakomi, like a probe that brings things forward. And, and uh, that's what I think I've learned most about having this, uh, entering the role of head student is that I said yes and I ha and carried all the fear and everything I just through. And that's been a huge learning point and I'm mm -hmm. very grateful for. Well, and we are too. And thank you for allowing me to, to call you forward here just to begin. Thank you. These things. Last week, I also reached out and called to Mike Nazar, and then he had to leave. So Mike, if you would raise your hand. There he is. And once again, I get two for one here. <laughs> There's Sue. Uh, Hello. Hello. What what part, were, were you were you both here or no? Yesterday, last week? I wasn't here, no. I, I, have, 
I'm I'm seeing clients, and I had a client during that time. And Mark, Mike, you were here just for a little while. Yeah, I had to step off about 20 minutes early, and uh, Judith texted me and said that you had called on me, and I was like, "Ooh," <laughs> felt like a bad student. <laughs> no, this is this is life as it is, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the part that you did participate in, and then what you heard from Judith later, what is alive in you now? What's alive in me now is, and what came out of inquiry last week was uh, this feeling of being present. Uh, I think the question last week was something about where are you in this present moment, mm -hmm. if I recall, mm -hmm. and I had been in a very comfortable place for myself of realizing that I was living in a present state of mind and I was feeling and still am feeling uh, a sense of empowerment with how I decide to show up right now and the decisions I make about my emotional state, my intellectual state, my connective state with myself and others. And I walked away with that feeling of, of um, that's what I walked away with, a sense of how am I right now? And it, it calls on me to this moment to go, how am I right now? And you used an important word, a choice. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes I think I can get carried away, especially with emotions. <clears throat> especially when they surround fear, uh, I forget that I have a sense of choice in there. And sometimes I need my friends, my close ones around me, Sue, others that can say, what's going on? And then I can slow myself down enough to think about that and decide what is going on. And I think sometimes I protect what's going on because I fear that I'm making an impression or disappointing someone or maybe not doing things quote right <laughs> similar to what Catherine was saying yeah yeah um so I I um I like the choice of you know fear is like you know the false events appearing real um but I like the the idea of you know uh, face everything and rise uh and face everything has been something that I have literally sat with in the mornings because I don't, I sometimes catch myself going, you're avoiding. And I don't think of myself as an avoider. And so when I catch myself there, I realize it's a truth and I can sit with it and, and then act differently. Make a choice. And, yeah. and Sue, there was something in you, you wanted words were coming. What would you say? You know, I, what I, what I didn't get to hear much of what the inquiry was about, but what I did notice is his response later, like just his embodiment of what happened. I could tell that he was in this more engaged with aliveness place mm. because he was being more clear about where he stood on things. Mm -hmm. So I can't really pinpoint, but I, I certainly did a double take and I could feel the difference in him. Mm -hmm. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, 
I love the, the choice idea. I do, you know, we both sit together. Do you both have a sitting practice? Yes. And he's the one that motivates me now. I used to motivate him to do it. Now <laughs> it's like, he's like reminding me at the time. If <laughs> nice I want to, yes, it's, a, it's really a nice invitation. Yeah. So. Well, part of the, what I want to underscore and what you're saying and why I invited you is because as you reflect on what you experienced in Mike as someone who's close, our practice isn't to have us enter some esoteric state or some right. perfected, but you could feel in an embodiment in him mm -hmm. something yeah. about presence, mm -hmm. possibility. And yeah. that's what practice offers us. Yeah. Yeah. And without, it is something you could you experience as an aliveness. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. sense his energy for sure. Well, and I have to interject too, is that what felt really, if you will, almost ticklish was that um, when Judith sent me that message, I didn't go to guilt or shame. It kind of tickled like I was a student that stepped out of recess or something and got busted. <laughs> You had something that, that called you that you had to do to take care of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When we, when we go to shame or embarrassment or whatever, that's actually an avoidance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. It's being captured and turned away by an old reactive pattern. Mm. <clears throat> nirvana or nirvanic moments are moments in which we're free of reactivity. Mm -hmm. oh. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, not true. some heavenly state. It's we're liberated, we're free mm -hmm. of reactivity, mm. of being controlled by those old habit patterns. And we, <clears throat> it's not about being happy or in a bliss state. It's about being free of reactivity. Nice. Mm -hmm. I'll keep that. <laughs> well, thank you both uh, for your responses. I'm calling on people a little bit to see what's here just a little bit and then we'll we'll go a little further um thank you yes and i think uh maybe last time i'm not sure if i spoke if i called on cassie or not I, uh, but i was curious about her response because she's been with us for from day one with all of this and, and helped us quite a bit is cassie here yes there she is hi <laughs> hi there what, what's alive in you from last time if it's uh, still awake today about all this. All right. Um, certainly to mirror what previous people have just said. And also it was, um, so many times when I approach the chair, it's because I have some particular struggle that, that I, I really want to have support and held in. And uh, then as other people talk and I engage with them in the chair, um, I'm, connected with the universal human experience of being stuck and and also feeling that liberation and what i noticed last week was it was um <clears throat> uh, wow um the feeling the feeling and and it was um it wouldn't it was like um self calls up self Yes. And so this was more like we were just engaging self to self instead mm -hmm. of engaging self with something that needed assistance. People were just bringing forward when we're naming that present moment experience, then we're 
have to be in the present moment to name that experience. Mm -hmm. And so it really brought forth being it just in the present moment over and over and over. And that, that, also, that landed throughout the week and continues to, to go forward that way. Yeah, you're putting your finger precisely on one of the distinctions between an ordinary way of meeting suffering or difficulties in the world and what our practice is, um, offers us in some ways. This, this is stepping beyond coping and problem solving and feeling better. And I'll use maybe more classical words, but it moves us towards renunciation and vow. Mm. It moves us towards letting go of, let's see, what does someone in a 12-step program said the other day? It's principle over personality. The principles of the practice rather than what I want. Mm -hmm. Which then is going to lead you to vow. What's going to guide me? And that's a little bit further than what you said, but what you said is the turning point where you look at what this, our practice offers us the larger perspective of what's universal. That's what we chant in the beginning. Rather than some, everybody coming to me and saying, here's my problem, how do I solve it? Here's my problem, how do I solve it? That's what we naturally do. But what our practice is, is about no matter what the problem is that you bring, how do you free yourself up Right. To meet life, which is always going to be a problem. Yeah. It's not going to solve the problem of life. It's going to make you be free in a life which is full of problems and everything else. And I've heard you say before that when, you know, your side of the chair is often to look for what is the freeing thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so when it seemed like the, the freeing <clears throat> thing was the freeing thing was offered on both sides. Mm hmm. Um, and that's where we go Buddha to Buddha, self to self. Yeah. <clears throat> and Thank you. And also I noticed, you know, like my, I feel like my face is turning red for being called on and I didn't think that I would be nervous or, uh, you know, I usually I'll spill my guts, uh, you know, <laughs> at the drop of a thimble. <laughs> so if, so it's not that, what is it? It's a deeper form of being seen. It's not, it's not, it's like not being seen for a particular struggle, but being seen just in the present moment seems more vulnerable. Well, there's a word for that. Oh, what's that? <laughs> intimacy. Oh, <laughs> okay. Being very intimate. Yeah. Yeah. This, it feels more intimate. Yeah. 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 And look, uh, Catherine was talking about too, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being seen deeply. Wonderful. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for bringing this forward, Flint. Yeah. Really, thank you. And I want to just call on one more person and then we'll open it up where you can call on me. Um, I saw that Wayne Carpenter is here. Wayne, would you click the little raise hand thing so you can come up? <clears throat> and I'm not sure you were here last week, though. Were you? No, I, I wasn't. I That's what I thought. I, and I'm calling on you specifically because I knew you weren't. Um, yeah. But I had a, a confidence that I could call you forward. Uh, and so listening to what you're hearing today and having been part of this for a while, what, what's, what are you present to right now? What's moving in now? Well, very much of a, a, a reaching back into... Uh, 
spiritual traditions in Christianity um, that that live in parallel, mm-hmm. and but um, particularly the the surrender of self preoccupation um, as um, not a must, but the path to liberation. Yes. Um, you know that. For those of us who grow, go ahead. That emptying of kenosis. Yes, yes, kenosis. Yes, Um, I, I, I was, you know, kind of celebrating with, as people were talking, uh, with with the pleasure of hearing people uh, find find the inner uh, resource, but but not as as a problem. To be solved, but rather the joining of the, the the joining of us all into this, you know, the the vast robe of liberation. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very very touching to to hear those shifts, yeah. or, or or that s- sustaining of that. Do you happen to remember? And I wasn't gonna. This is not why I called on you, but it comes to mind right now. Uh-huh. Do, you, do you happen to remember? I guess probably thirty five years ago, when. <laughs> I came to you because some of you don't know that that Wayne has many wonderful uh, qualities and experiences and trainings and part of it is is in more traditional clergy kind of training, you know, theological training. Mm -hmm. I I came to you and I said, I'm stuck with this verse from Gospels. Be perfect as I am, even as I said, you know, that that verse. I did remember that. Yes. Do you remember what you said to me? Well, I believe I pointed out to you that the word uh, teleoi that in the King James Version was translated as perfect um, has stuck many of us, um, myself included, trying to live a life of perfection rather than to live a human life. And so the the verse is better translated as uh, be, be a whole human being, know your purpose even as God would, would know you, even and as that, God would want you to be. And that moment with you, Wayne, turned my spiritual life. Wow, I didn't it know. Really, it was an opening of those moments yeah. where I came to you an inquiry and mm-hmm. something that was caught. And you said, oh, that's, that's not what that word really is translated as. It's this. And it's like, oh, wholeness. Yes, yes. And so the way... I would be seen by a Buddha, by God, but whatever, mm-hmm. in my totality, not as some uh, perfected person. And that really made an enormous difference to me. And I don't know if I ever told you, but some 20 years later in Austin, uh, one of my good, good friends who is a minister in a Methodist church said he was going to be on leave for a while and would I preach for him one Sunday? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, sure. And so some months later, I called the assistant um, uh, minister and I said, what's in the lectionary? What's up? You know, guess what verse was up? <laughs> right how, could out of Matthew. <laughs> how could that be? <laughs> yes. How could that be? Oh, my. Well, that, uh, th- thank you for sharing that. I, I, I think I go back to that uh, verse often um, in my own, you know, 
never-ending attempt to uh, uh, shed those, that perfectionistic tendency in me. And, and that's an ongoing practice, isn't it? Yes, yes. Just all of us. Yes, yes. Well, that, that's uh, so much of what I derive as I uh, return now to, to sit with you and and this marvelous group of people is the is the support for the practice. Yes. Yes, that it's ongoing and enlivening and uh, beneficial and uh, some mornings hard and some days uh, much more welcoming. Yes, it's everything. Yes, the, the vast, the vast yes. rope of liberation. And if it's not all inclusive, it's not the full practice. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you for um, coming forward with my request and for also just engaging that that memory because I thought it was useful, probably in the service of what we're up to right now. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Yes. <clears throat> so, I've been I've been calling on on you. Now you you call on me. I. My commitment is to not hold back or withhold from you. I can't tell you what to do, but we can discover things together as we've done. You're, I think you're unmuted now, Kim. Yeah. Um, first, I want to comment on what we've just been talking about. And that is that um, I had this uh, story with this koan, the flower sermon koan that I've been um, facing. And um, the story was that this was a very planned kind of ordeal where Buddha plans that he wants to pick a successor. He plans that he's going to hold up the flower. He knows where the flower grove is. He picks up a flower on the way. one story after another. And then I read another take on the story where actually one of the monks hands Buddha a basket of flowers. And what that brought was, this was not a plan, but he was given the basket. His immediate response was he looked out, he saw that the the other monks were clueless because they were drowning in the Dharma. He sees, looks over, sees the flower, picks it up, holds it up. And one thing follows from another. And Kashyapa, too, isn't thinking in words, but he, the smile comes before any words. The immediacy. Yeah. So, so here's, here's, so, so I've really come to the same place as we did last week with this how do you respond? How do you, you know, it's one response after another. Um, and I did a picture just about that today, but. My um, my question is really this, that we're so much into words, even with some of our like body scans and with our labeling when we're sitting. And um, we were talking last night, there was another koan we were reading last night where the Buddha, it's, a, it's, a, it's he's responding to a non-Buddhist and he does the same thing where he's silent and the non-Buddhist becomes enlightened. 
but I'm wondering what's going on in his head because uh, you know I kind of associated project my head with this silent is he thinking I'm going to be silent now that would be the best teaching and you know I'm coming to the point where where I'm just really exhausted with these words good and I feel like I've been really kind of cheating in the sense of, of, so we talk about in our intensives being in noble silence. So I've been in silence outwardly, but inwardly the same stuff is going on. So it's kind of like, uh, you're not gonna catch me, which you probably have, but you know, you're not gonna catch me. I can have all the thoughts. And, and I remember a story where, where uh, I don't know what it's called, but when you go to a practice period and you're new in a, like a Tassahara, you have to yes so someone said well they told me the story that they got through this with four days of thinking about sex and i felt uncomfortable about that that he wasn't really playing the game well what are, what we're what you're talking about i think and you're pointing to kim is how many um, internal coping strategies we have just like external coping strategies yeah and all of them are an attempt to avoid the intimacy and the immediacy and the anxiety that, that comes with this. You know, this isn't, this isn't a spiritual game. And these aren't like clever techniques. Well, especially not to fool someone else. I mean, that's right. you and know, what's the, kind of, what's, what's the benefit there? We're not, it's not some kind of performance. We're not showing off it. What's really important in your story about Mahakashava in that moment, I think in, in the Buddha, really reflects that statement that I often make, how simple are you willing to let it be? And uh, all of the thinking and even the wondering what's going on in your head and other people's head is an avoidance. As a way not to be immediate and see what's here. Those things are fun to do. I do it certainly, but it's not the essence of what Zazen offers us. Well, yeah, I mean, there was like right now my, hands are are like this and i had a sensation about that you know mm -hmm. i felt that mm -hmm. and that seems to be uh kind of the new place i want to go good embodied simplicity right there and make your hands like this there you go <laughs> thanks kim thank you and i think judy was fast on your heels yep Judy next, yeah. And thank you, um, Maria, for helping me keep the order. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Hi, Judy. I had you on my list to maybe call on you today. Here you are. Good. <laughs> wow. What what that did for me last week was um, I had that thing of please call on me. Don't call on me. Please call on me. Don't call on me. You know. <laughs> Um, but I'm not so sure I'd have put my hand up today if you hadn't done it that way. Because I realised that the reason I wanted you to call on me is because a few times when I've had the urge to put my hand up, um, the anxiety has, has stopped me from doing it. So there was part of me thinking, well, if I'm not given any choice in the matter, it's easier almost. Well, and, the, and you know this well because you teach it. The anxiety is the reason to put your hand up. Yeah. yeah. You think of it as a barrier, but actually, oh, I'm noticing so much energy 
that's worth turning toward. Yeah. How is it now? It's okay. It's okay. I think partly because of that, because the, the sort of um, the yearning to be called on has helped me to realize that, you know, that um, it's something to turn towards. It's aliveness, as you said. And um, what is yeah. that yearning to be called on? That's the action, but what's the yearning? It's something about just being in this um, intimate situation with you mm -hmm. that I yearn for. Yeah, I do too. Uh, to be to be chosen, to be loved, to be connected. Of course. Yeah, which we've continued for so many years together in so many situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what I've also been noticing is um, just as we were starting inquiry, some friends of mine have come um, to collect a garden table and chairs that I'm giving away. And I can see them out the window from the minute inquiry started till now they're still wrestling with trying to separate the, the table legs from the tabletop and get it in the car. <laughs> so I've noticed a distraction, but what I've really noticed is that the thing that, that's calling me away is um, that I think they need me. I think they need me to step in and help. And I, I sort of realized that that's often a sort of um, distraction for me or something that wants to call me away from the present moment. Good. But actually the way you think you are needed is also part of the distraction because it's a habit. Yes, exactly. What, what if, because what you're describing is a perfect example of everyday life. Here you are in this situation and there's something <laughs> that's always happening. Yes, exactly. So instead of the habit is maybe I should go help them. What if you deepened what you're doing right now, deepened your connection with yourself and all of us mm -hmm. and just sent love to them that it may go okay. They, they may not struggle too much. So that you can stay here offering that meta love or loving kindness and, and living with your helplessness yes. and let that be a gift. That's so helpful because it is, as always happens in these situations, the theme that comes up is a theme that's sort of been around for you. And, and yeah. I know that sometimes my tendency to sort of, you know, when my tendency to want to help or rescue is not coming from a, a clean place, it's because it's a, a habit or an avoidance right. or something like that. Yeah. That's a really important distinction, Judy. So I'm glad you mentioned it. It's not, the helping isn't the issue. It's who's wanting to help. Exactly. Is it some part that's the habit or is it just a generous offering? And you can you can feel the difference, can't you? I can feel the difference when, I, when I'm doing it, you know. If, if you pay attention and if you've practiced. Yeah. And that's what, that's the teaching that you're offering. Thank you for that. Pleasure. Mm -hmm. Lovely to see you. It's good to see you. Thank you. Who's next, Maria? Hey, Bridget. Bridget next. Okay. Hi, Flint. Thank you. Um, 
as you've evolved with these others, you've touched on some of it, but I was curious uh, from your statement when you were talking earlier, where you said shame isn't an avoidance technique um, that we turn to out of habit. And can you explain that a little more? Sure. As I don't know that I would really characterize it as a technique in a way, but in the moment, what I was saying is the habit patterns we have, which are actively defensive or contracting and collapsing, you know, whichever way we go, there are so many of them that show up, are reactive patterns that we've learned through conditioning. And if we simply go to our favorite bad place or our favorite reactive place over and over and over, we're practicing our conditioning instead of practicing with our conditioning. We're practicing our conditioning, okay. deepening. Uh, this is, it becomes a habit mm -hmm. and it's a way to not um, engage the more immediate and sometimes shaky place that several people have talked about. And, and Wayne mentioned this too, of, of actually turning toward what's here. Now, sometimes we need help with that. That's why we're together. Sometimes you need a helping hand, a warm smile to help us move towards what we can't move toward. All I want to do is highlight that sometimes our patterns that we consider our um, just who we are, our personality, are actually an elaborated lifelong practice of trying to hide, or let's say it better, trying to protect some vulnerability. And I don't think that it's useful just to blast things open and touch things that are too vulnerable. You have to be respectful, but without that direction, without those exile places being relieved, there's no freedom because we have to keep everything in place. All right, well, thank you. That helps. It's a great question. Deeper understanding, thanks. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Kathy, next. Mm -hmm. You're back home. I'm home. Um, and when you were talking to the first woman, um, you Catherine? said mm -hmm. um, something about if both people are really present to what arises, then the good stuff happens. Or I can't, you know. Yeah. Uh huh. There's some possibility there. Yes. And so it made me think about because I, I don't practice the way some people that watch here do, but I have been to inquiry in the last year and I've learned a lot. My spirituality has really expanded. And, um, and I'm noticing um, because of what I've learned here that sometimes when I am in conversation with people, which doesn't happen a lot because of COVID, but it's starting to mm -hmm. being around more people. And on my trip, I was around people I didn't really know very well. Um, and so sometimes I notice when I'm talking to people that they aren't there, <laughs> you know, um, like, like most of the time. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's sort of, so my question is, uh, when I notice that, um, is there anything I can do to help people feel more comfortable about being open? I mean, no, it's not my job, but I mean, how to invite them and in the words you might use, 
how to invite them to be more present with me. Mm -hmm. Someone earlier, I think it was Cassie, uh, where she, I think she made a statement that self invites self or your true nature, your openness invites openness in another. Um, and so essentially offer what you want. Be that. And they, they will either, and you know about this, and, and they will either respond or they won't. Yes. Just like with, I mean, I, you say you don't practice, but Lord, girl, you have a very fierce practice. Mm -hmm. I and, just don't know what y'all call it, I guess. Yeah, but it, but it is. And it's a very fierce practice and it's a very, uh, and you have a strong sangha, a strong community of people, practitioners, and you're involved in it all the time. And you have to offer the kind of freedom that one can, can find as an invitation and some people will accept it and decide to engage that same freedom and sometimes they won't but all you can do is offer it's it's why oftentimes i will it's so delightful and so amazing to be with people who open in these ways and you know that feeling it's like magic and some sometimes and there are times in which without um this is hard to say because it's not about judgment. There are times when I just feel so brokenhearted at what I do meet in, in, in the world and the difficulties. And it's not about a judgment or a sense of being better or anything else. It's just hard as you, as you see more. One of the things that you see more of is the pain. And, how, and just how tough it is for everybody out there. But there's a name for that too. When you're able to stay focused and you see the difficulty and that's called compassion. And so part of what I'm saying this for is because what you're asking about is the, the real edge of compassion practice. Oh, this is a tough place. I'll, I'll be patient. I'll hang in there. I'll stay awake. I'll at least make the offering and see. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. I guess she'll take me away. Yeah, she'll take care of it. Robin next. Hi, Flint. Hi. And everyone. Um, last week was really um, the most like when we were in the same room together, there was, when we were in the same room together doing inquiry, there would be times that you would, it seems really outrageous now, um, that you would say, put your hand out. And then you would put your hand out. And there would be this physical expression unfolding in the moment before us. Un completely unrehearsed, unimagined. And last week felt the most like that, even though, of course, it wasn't a physical expression of that. It was really interesting to me. It's what I told Jim. He was helping um, cope with his car last week. I said it was the most like being in the same room because 
physical expression can only happen right now. I mean, unless it's pre-recorded. But I'm assuming you're really where you are right now, and I'm really where I am right now. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that was really, uh, it was so touching. It brought back so many memories, not really specific ones, but just the memory of touching and how there was some incredible teaching of just when we met in a room for those that don't know, it could be very crowded and um, everyone's, a lot of people are sitting on the floor on cushions and then some people sitting in the back in chairs. And sometimes people coming from the back would need um, some assistance because they were a little wobbly or just because there was so much in the way. And it was and solid so, people. There's not like there was a walkway. Right, right. There was no aisle. And that we would reach up and be like, um, a crutch, you know, a hold, uh, something to hold on to. Railing As, a bridge. Yeah, um, kind of like a mosh pit, but really different. Um, and it wasn't even that we necessarily knew the person or had ever held their hand before. Um, there was such an incredibly oh, um, teaching. And so last week was the most like that. No mm -hmm. stories, no just hi human mm -hmm. hi human yeah, what's here i'm breathing are you you're breathing too you know what your recollections remind me of is once the person made their way to the chair in front of me knee to knee then there was the next small ritual yes i put the microphone around them and it's almost like an anointing or a like putting a kata or something is so nice. Yeah, yeah. So none of that's important now because we're doing it like this. But I think what's important is that you've brought us back mm -hmm. to that form. Yeah. And it was surprising and um, unexpected. But when I was swimming just before um, lunch, and thinking about, well, will I have time to get to inquiry or not? I thought, well, how could I not go because of this presence? I can watch stories on TV, but this? Mm -hmm. Rare. Yeah. Thank you both. Love your new paintings, Jim. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think we have maybe time for another. Is Penelope up? There you go. I, I, I'm um, here. <laughs> you are, you are. And Maria, Maria's helping you. Maria's the one holding your hand and getting you forward every now. <laughs> and, you know, it's just what's different for me uh, is that last week I just started like I'm doing now. It's just crying in the midst of all of the things you were, you know, that we were all sharing. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, I didn't start, I, I really wanted to put stop videos so I wouldn't be, you know, crying and everything in front of everybody. But then I thought, well, that's just what we're talking about. That's hiding then. And yeah. so- Why would you deprive us of your immediacy and your fullness and your wholeness like Wayne was talking about? 
Anyway, it's been very powerful. And it's just like you were saying a minute ago in response to Kathy that I just feel so much the overwhelming poignancy of the world right now. Yes. It's just, hey, I'm grateful for everyone here because I really need that. I really need you. You're saying to the group. It's, um, I'm reminded of the statement that Camus made once. He said, live to the point of tears. And I don't think he was talking about despair. I think he was talking about this kind of fullness in which your heart overflows in. Yeah, I think so. Thank you very much. And if you'd all um, prepare, we'll get ready to recite the four practice principles together as a way of reminding ourselves of the, the cycle of a practice. You know, this, um, this isn't just some interesting thing that we do on Tuesdays. This is for keeps. This is the most important thing. And uh, so we've been reflecting beautifully today on what does it depend on? If this is so important, as each of you have said, as Penelope was just embodying, uh, what supports us in stepping toward each other in this intimate way and stepping with, with everything in tow, not shedding anything, bringing everything, but also not getting caught in anything that's the edge. And that's what our vows, I think next time I may speak about our central vow and Bodhisattva vow and, and how it supports this immediacy. But please, uh, I'll continue to call on you and please call on me. Ask more of me just as I'm asking of you. What happens in between is what's liberating. Because if we're caught and the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you everyone um, whom I either called on or who called on me. Um, uh, let's continue. And thank you for your uh, superb uh, help, Maria. I'll turn it over to you.
Appamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. There is a link for contributions on the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. And I'll put that in the, in the chat for you all as well. Thank you so much. And we now move on to the second part of our, well, morning, afternoon or evening, depending on where you are in the world, where we meet on the virtual porch for a further 30 minutes where we continue to meet and share. And if you want to take a couple of minutes break and then meet us right back here, then please do. Thank you so much. Thank you.